Hi, I'm Valerie, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 357. I'm your host, Valerie George, and with me today is Perry Romanowski. Hi, Perry. Hello, Valerie. So good to see you. Great to see you, and it's going to be an even greater show because we're going to cover lots of questions, including, is it true that satin or silk pillowcase helps prevent frizz? What do we think of the White Tiger skincare collection? What is the most effective color to offset the Tyndall effect? What are our thoughts on the bioprogramming hair technology? And if titanium dioxide is considered a possible carcinogen, why is it still used in lipsticks? And also, why are people still drinking coffee in California? Don't they have those signs on Starbucks saying carcinogen <laughs> served here or something? Well, funny you mention that because I just put together a Proposition 65 article where I mention coffee is on Prop 65, meaning it is known to cause cancer in the state of California, along with bread from the acrylates in the crust and wine because of the alcohol. Wow. Yeah, for, for people... That don't know, California in the United States leads our country in regulating whatever, <laughs> regulating cosmetics Anything anyway. they can, the more the better. Right. But, I mean, it is, you know, the, I think it's like the sixth biggest economy in the world, you know, so, so it's pretty big. Anyway, they have this thing called Prop 65, which is this law that has this list of ingredients that are, to them, are known to cause cancer. Now, in huge amounts of course but that the problem there is like coffee has these small amounts of what acrylamide or something like that caffeic acid and acrylamides right Mm -hmm. yeah and so since that's in there uh the starbucks has to put you know known to cause cancer and it turns out if you're looking for it you could find these ingredients in pretty much anything so every store has like the sign right (laughs) yeah every store every restaurant every coffee shop especially if they serve alcohol they'll have it because that's also on proposition 65 ah so people just kind of go blind to it then don't they living in california i never really paid attention to those signs yeah. You know, it kind of reminds me of when you, you ever go to Europe and you look at the, the cigarette packs. Yeah, with the C- photographs Cigarette on packs them. have like the, right, the most horrific <laughs> pictures of lung cancer or dying babies or something. I, and, but people are still just buying those and smoking, so they just don't even look at them, right? <laughs> yeah, it can't be me. Uh, right. <laughs> you know what I was really hoping you'd ask me today, Perry? I had prepared for this moment. How many days I was old? Or how many... Oh. Yeah, how many days I'm old. Yeah. How many days have you been living would probably be how I oh, would yeah. phrase it. But Yeah, yeah good but, call. So, wait. Uh, oh, well, I do have my spreadsheet. I know that today is my big 20,044th day. And, you know, 44 spells, plays a special little place in my heart. Uh, but, uh, so, yeah, well, how many days do you, you live? Well, I don't have a spreadsheet to track it. Now, wait, before I answer this, do you actually sure. go in every day and add a day? to it no you can have a an equation on the spreadsheet and what it says today minus the day i was born and so you just open a spreadsheet and it's already updated well i am 15,136 days old 15,136 wow you just missed the palindrome 15,151 but oh no you got to come out 15 days you got the big palindromic day what we'll have to celebrate (laughs) We will. 
All right. Now, can that chit chat get any more inane? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're losers. Perhaps we should move on to the news. The body shop goes under. Can you believe it? The body shop, like they're they used they to be pretty popular, right? They were in every airport, every train station, everywhere you turned, you saw the body shop. There are all kind of mall, all kind of malls, right? I guess have have malls sort of disappeared. Remember, malls were so. like a big thing, and then body shop was always like a mall store, if I, if I remember. But I guess I could see why they're going away, right? Well, ever since they were sold in 2007, I don't think they've been doing very well. Well, if I recall, last I saw, so Body Shop started as this greenish store. They were all about natural and, uh, but but more about like anti-cruelty, so no animal testing, that sort of thing. That's what I remember about them most. They had a rule that you couldn't use ingredients in in your formula that had been tested on animals after like 1985, which is a challenge. Um, well, not a huge challenge, because most stuff that we use in cosmetics was created before 1985, so I guess it's not that big a challenge. <laughs> yeah, loophole. But, but they just they, they did an arbitrary cutoff, and you know, so, sure. So all of that animal testing done in the 1970s, that's okay. You can use those ingredients. You just can't use new ones. So that's what I kind of remember about them. And they were in well, malls. I, I always thought that they were the leader in natural body care. Okay. Yet, I'm not sure that they were truly a natural brand. I, I, you're right. I think it was more about the vegan and cruelty-free positioning. Yeah. Well, you know, I always got them mixed up with Bath and Body Works. I just kind of really? saw them as the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're both mall stores. They both That's had true. the word, you know body in it (laughs) they they sold personal care products but they they did have a different spot in the market I guess and I think I think you're right they had sort of a more natural spin Bath and Body Works is all about like experiential like big colors big fragrances yeah Yeah. and and they said the word natural but you know they're just all greenwashing there but you know I love the way they smell especially that cucumber melon whoa that was popular oh don't eat ugh well, I can't stand that scent anymore. Well, you can see how the body shop kind of hit some hit some rough patches with malls kind of going away. And then I think Ulta and Sephora kind of took over a lot of the things that people would go to body shop for. And additionally, they just didn't have a unique proposition anymore. Maybe back in the 90s and early 2000s, what they had to offer was pretty unique because it wasn't yet mainstream to say that you were cruelty free or vegan right and now that it is there's kind of not really a need to use their products when so many other brands are offering the same thing yeah exactly and then they also are one of those companies that was you know started by a family and then they kind of sold out to l'oreal back in 2017 so then the big corporation takes it over and when you're a marketing person working for a big corporation, you don't have the sort of the same fire in your belly about your brand, right? Oh, they're all like, oh, here's the <laughs> system. Let's throw it out there, right? Yeah, because you're on an island. Yeah, when you're the founder, you're like doing guerrilla marketing. You're, you know, going, you're meeting with lots of people. You're sending out lots of samples. L'Oreal's like, yeah, okay, uh, tweak the formulas here a little bit. Uh, let's see if we can bump sales. Uh, and then they just sort of slowly let it die, I guess. That's kind of a cynical way to look at big corporations, isn't it? 
Well, maybe you're not wrong. That's for sure. <laughs> so they sold it to L'Oreal for 650 million pounds in 2006. And then Aurelius bought the company in 2017 for 850 million. So they bought it from L'Oreal. So L'Oreal turned a you know 150 million pound profit there. Well, good for them. And then, accordingly, they just sold out to uh, financial people. This is kind of like the guy who was in uh, what was that movie with Richard Gere and Julia Roberts? Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman. Mm-hmm. And he was like the cutthroat investor guy who'd buy a company and then chop it up, right? Or maybe I'm thinking of Wall Street with Charlie Sheen. I think you're I thinking know. of Wall Street with Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Sure. Well, I think I think they both did the same job. Anyway, <laughs> one of those companies came in and they bought it for two hundred and seven million. So, congratulations, Aurelius, going from eight hundred and fifty million down to two hundred and five. Uh, Ouch. So I don't, unfortunately, I don't see the, the, the stories probably won't stick around. I imagine somebody could do something with that brand, though, the body shop. So the products will probably stay around. Yeah, maybe mass market. I don't think it's going to return to its former glory days. Uh, that's what I used to think about Old Spice, and look at that. Oh, goodness, but not Suave. <laughs> no, well, that's, I mean, Suave does all right, not VO5. <laughs> like, VO5 hairdressing, the problem with that brand is that all of the best consumers were dying and <laughs> weren't replacing people. So there you oh, go. goodness. Well, we talked a bit about Michael Sarah the other week, and it turns out he really was in cahoots with a brand, and he appeared in a Super Bowl commercial. That's right. We were debating, was that uh, Michael Sarah? Because the brand was like, no, he's not part of us. And, but Sarah, he was handing out stuff. We talked about it last episode, and... It turns out, yeah, he showed up in that uh, Super Bowl commercial, and then you're like, okay, I guess he's part of this thing. Yeah, he got us. Well, he got me. Well, speaking of Michael Sarah, <laughs> he was in that movie Super Bad, and you just uh, sat down and talked to another guy in Super Bad, huh? I did, yeah. I was in L.A. for work, and I went to one of my favorite restaurants, sat down at the bar, because that's you know where you go to eat when you eat alone, and there was another sure. guy alone. We were chatting, and it turns out he was McLovin in Superbad. I was McLovin. like, I knew he looked familiar. Now I wonder if he's going to start his uh, start sponsoring some beauty brand. <laughs> well, he had uh, some nice tattoos, so maybe he'll do a tattoo care line. Who knows? Oh, well, that's not a bad idea. Well, speaking of celebrities, I saw this article. Cosmetics Design said. Celebrity beauty brands exceed $1 billion in sales. Uh, and I'm like, that's what? Crazy. A billion dollars? Like, how big is the beauty industry? Skincare is probably worldwide $100 billion. And hair care worldwide, maybe $80 billion or something like that. So, you know, out of, say, $200 billion, uh, $1 billion doesn't seem that big. But... Jeez, it seems pretty big. I think it's a significant big. amount of money, especially given very few people are actually celebrities. Yeah, absolutely. And it does not really say how many of these brands survive. Yeah, they say it's growing, but uh, it has decreased from the peak of 19 launches. So they had 19 celebrity launches in 2021, and there's only been six launches in 2023 from celebrities. So maybe it's slowing well, down. Not slowing down yet because LeBron James just announced his grooming line. What? 
LeBron yep. James? I feel like this was my 2024 prediction in my own mind, and I never right. publicly professed this on the Beauty Brains like I thought I did. Well, I have to say, I did look back on, on our prediction episode, and you did not mention LeBron James. I feel like you edited that part out. You did mention Taylor Swift, though. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What if her and Travis Kelsey came out with like a joint line? But anyway, LeBron James has partnered with a brand incubator company, and they have launched a grooming line called The Shop, which will officially be hitting Walmart stores this April. The Shop? Wow. Yeah, it'll feature a shampoo and a conditioner, a face lotion, deep conditioning beard cream, shave cream, face wash, aftershave toner, and a styling pomade, starting as little as 10 bucks. It sounds like a men's line. It is. Oh, okay. Those uh, those always do so well. <laughs> well, well, really, they don't. But yeah, at that. least it's in a mass market <laughs> arena, right? He could have been right. on premium or something like that. So I think it's cool he actually went mass market. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not super premium. So you're going to get a lot of people who are his fans who might not necessarily just be, you know, super rich folk. But you're still competing with the, the swabs and VO5s of the world for men's attention and... Did, did you say it had a, a, a facial wash? A facial wash, yep. Oh, was because I, I thought that was just the foam from your shampoo and you put it on I your face. I did think of you <laughs> when I said that. I was going to say, why do they need one? We'll write into the brand. We'll write into the brand. Was there an exfoliator too? <laughs> no, not yet. That's okay. probably okay. the second round. Okay, well, we'll see how it does. Well, on uh, the topic of a, uh, a celebrity brand that I think will stick around... <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, I I hope LeBron James does great on it. But like you said, it's in Walmart, so they're, they're at least going to have a pretty big sell-through. And he's got a lot of fans. But speaking of a lot of fans, Beyonce has finally revealed the name of her upcoming hair brand. Is it called Hair is Scared? <laughs> I was what? waiting for you to do this. Hair what? is Sacred, and the brand is oh. called Sacred, but it's spelled C-E-C-R-E-D. Oh, but my gotcha. hair is scared when I wake up in the morning. You ought to see it. <laughs> That's that seems like it might be a marketing miss there, you know, because <laughs> I can, because I just quickly read. I'm like, oh, my hair is scared. What? Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. Yeah. So she announced this product launch last year, but never really announced names or details or anything like that. So uh, she finally did a little hint. Hair is sacred and then announce the name of the brand, but we haven't seen anything yet, so I'm anxiously awaiting a product drop. Sacred, (laughs) C-E-C-R-E-D? Okay. (laughs) Must have had a hard time getting the sacred.com website, so they went with the weird spelling. They worked on it. Or consumer feedback was, oh, people think it says scared. (laughs) That's that's a good point. So so secret. I I have to say... uh, it's rarely a good idea to make a brand name something that people cannot pronounce or they're confused about the pronouncing. Or that Perry but. can't pronounce because we're going to get a lot of questions on the beauty brains and we want to be able to say it right. We, we absolutely do. Well, good luck to all of our celebrities and their brand launches. Uh, and if you want to send us samples, we're always happy to use them. Yeah, I'm open to trying them. Well, let's head over to some beauty science questions. Our first question comes to us from a patron, Rumiana. 
Hi, Valerie and Perry. Thank you so much for answering my questions. I'm from Bulgaria and I found the Beauty Brains podcast in 2013 or 14 while living in Korea. And now I live in California. I think I've read every single article on the, (laughs) yeah, I think I've read every single article on the blog and I've had Perry and I almost couldn't even say his name. Perry and Randy answer my questions on there. I'm now going through all the podcast episodes I've missed, and I'm close to starting the 2023 episodes. You've been so valuable to me throughout the years. Oh, well, thank you. I have two questions. Is it true that a satin or silk pillowcase helps prevent frizz and is one better than the other? Is it worth the money? I always wake up with frizzy hair, and is it true that drying your hair with a regular towel will cause frizz too? Do microfiber towels make a difference? I see some YouTubers say to use a cotton t-shirt if no special hairstyle towel is available. Does this make sense at all? I counted seven or eight questions there. <laughs> well, they're really just kind of one question. Like the question, <laughs> right? Isn't it? It's what is, does any, does the fabric that touches your hair make frizz? But you know, hers was more eloquent. <laughs> yeah, it was very well done. So Perry, what do you think? Well, you know, during the early days of the beauty brains, somebody asked us about silk pillows and in your hair and such. And, and, and I've got to be honest with you. My gut reaction is, no, it doesn't make a difference. This is this a marketing story that silk pillowcase people came up with. And it's not going to have much impact uh, on your hair at all, or at least noticeable impact. And I see no reason to change my opinion on that. So, so that's my thought on the silk pillowcase. About the silk pillowcases, I know that sleeping on a silk pillowcase is a pretty great experience. And I feel like once you hit that pillow and you feel how soft it is, you just fall right to sleep. It's like sleeping on a cloud in heaven. And if (laughs) you have not tried to uh, sleep on silk or satin sheets, I highly encourage you to go buy a set. But don't leave your four-year-old niece unattended who will take a Sharpie (laughs) marker and jaw doors all over them like that (laughs) happened to me. And all of a sudden, the sheets were not as comfortable anymore. But anyway, in terms of helping prevent frizz, I don't think so. I think the best thing you could do for your hair if you were concerned about uh, fiber damage, breakage, frizz, is to just lightly um, tie your hair up could be in a bun it could be with a clip it could be in a bonnet Uh, but i just think if you're really concerned about any damage a pillow would do i would just as you're moving around i would wrap your hair up i don't know that the minute movement of your heads while you're sleeping is going to make a huge difference in hair damage on a cotton pillowcase i have to say i think i've slept on a silk pillowcase before i'm not sure i, I have cotton ones or oh, whatever you kind know. you would my know. wife gets yeah i think the time that maybe i did my face kind of was sliding off and it was kind of oh uncomfortable gosh. are you so, sure no, you weren't no. sleeping on cheap satin i i don't know i don't was this in the 80s come on perry get with the times <laughs> does this slip around i'm i'm not gonna doubt that people enjoy sleeping on them i just don't think it has much impact on your hair. And so certainly when you read on forums or you see marketers that are saying that your pillowcase is going to prevent frizz, I, I just don't see how that's going to happen. Because your head doesn't, I mean, your head's not moving around a lot on the cotton no, and your hair's no. not wet. And so this would be insignificant amount of damage. 
Well, is it worth the money? Well, you know, maybe uh, listening to Valerie's experience, as long as you don't have a four-year-old niece with markers, it probably is <laughs> for the sleeping experience. But if you're doing it for your hair, probably yeah. not. But let's yeah. talk about the uh, the microfiber towels. Do they make a difference? Well, I do think there is a difference when we're talking about towels. And this is because if you take a regular towel, typically you would maybe hang your head upside down and you would rough the hair up a little to try to squeeze out any water. And I think this motion can lead to some damage over time. A microfiber towel, on the other hand, typically absorbs a whole lot more water. So I feel like there's less rubbing available. At least I use a towel that's special for the shower to suck up the water. And I don't do a whole lot of movement to my hair. I just wrap it in the towel and it goes on top of my head. And then my hair's um, dry enough to take down probably 15 minutes later. So I would say don't make the rubbing motion and you should be okay no matter what towel, but you know, is it the regular towel or the microfiber? I think it's more the motion that your hair is making. Is it like a a little car chamois that you put on your hair? <laughs> Just it kind of is. It up? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. As far as a towel goes, like a regular towel or using a cotton t-shirt. I mean, the cotton t-shirt is. I mean, most towels are cotton, aren't they? A kind of cotton, yeah. Or a blend of cotton and polyester, probably. But I think it's more about the texture, the fact that they all have these little cotton loops on them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I think the the key thing about the towel is how much rubbing you're going to do. Because that surface-on-surface rubbing, you can damage your hair fiber, the surface of your hair fiber, at least a little bit. So if you're just doing what you said, plop the towel on your hair and let it absorb the water off that's probably going to work whether you're using a microfiber towel or a regular towel exactly so keep the rubbing down to a minimum our next question comes to us from lena she says do the white tiger offerings stand out in any positive or negative way in terms of ingredients actives or claims do they look worth the money knowing that you don't have access to the full ingredient lists. Overall, thoughts on the products and the brand. Thank you so much. All right, this looks like it's the White Tiger collection from Alexandra Wagner Skincare. Yeah, it is almost a sub-collection of it. And at first glance, I would say probably not worth the price. I mean, come on, a 3.4-ounce cleanser for $72? What? 3.4 ounces? That's, wow, that's a lot. And then they had this tiny white tiger exfoliant. So we're just, right now we're just looking at the prices. And you have to think of the value proposition here. You can get, this might be a wonderful cleanser, right? It probably is a wonderful cleanser. I'm going to say it's wonderful. Well, we wouldn't know because there's no ingredient list. We wouldn't know. So now, so we're a little, we're a little skeptical. And it seems like a brand that probably employs contract manufacturers. They probably don't have their own R&D. I don't know that for sure or not. <laughs> but I'm just looking at the value proposition here. $72 for three ounces? You can get something that works at least as well for under $10. <laughs> for sure. And aside from there not being any ingredients, their impetus for advertising this cleanser is concentrated blends of these extracts, which 
probably makes up their white tiger complex, but we wouldn't know because they don't disclose the ingredient list. And in a cleanser, I just don't think a concentrated blend of five botanical extracts are going to brighten, exfoliate, and stimulate skin cell renewal. No, I know what they're going to do. They're going to wash down the drain. (laughs) They're like propylene glycol blend in the water and the water that it rinses down people don't get your active ingredients from cleansers the cleansers don't deliver active ingredients oh my goodness do, yeah. you, do you disagree with that i mean if no you're gonna, i mean uh, you're gonna go with it go with the serum or the moisturizer or something at least something that's left on if yeah. you if you're trying to get your active ingredients from cleanser it's just watch them and go down the drain <laughs> With a cleanser, it's most important to look at the way it foams, the way it makes your skin feel, and that comes from the non-sexy ingredients that are present in there. However, an ingredient, or excuse me, a product like a moisture cream, again, we, we aren't sure what's in it, but it's essentially a lot of extracts, and they say peptides. We don't know which peptides, and so I'd be really hard-pressed to spend $120 on 1.7 ounces for a smaller collection within a brand that just isn't being transparent. They aren't providing clinical studies. And I'm uncomfortable with that. I'd have to see it in person. I'd have to feel it and then be like, wow, I think this is really cool. I will say their Tiger Serum has, they say the active ingredients are tiger grass plant stem cells okay plant stem cells blah. Uh, <laughs> we eh. know how you feel uh, yeah claims uh white to turmeric uh antioxidant uh, okay uh they have the palmitoyl hexapeptide 19 that's their peptide in the serum in the serum yeah in the moisturizer they just leave it at peptides they don't disclose a peptide oh. okay and then they have ascorbyl palmitate and magnesium ascorbyl phosphate, good old vitamin C. Well, and the serum is orange colored. So when I see an orange colored serum and I see vitamin C is in it, I automatically think this is oxidized. Uh, right. It's oxidized. <laughs> but it might just be that the white turmeric is what's causing the yellowness, right? Oh, to cover up the oxidation of the vitamin C. And then they have hyaluronic acid. Okay. So, I mean, this is pretty standard stuff. I don't see how you're paying 100 and, 150 bucks for a serum like this. Wow. One ounce. And the reviews are pretty old. There's not anything recent. A lot of them are from 2021, 2022, and everything from 2023 is earlier. So this also looks a little strange to me that there's nothing within the last six months. Not even most of them are more than a year old they still might be running through their first production runs there but well so as far as this uh, offerings go i'm sure they're probably fine products they seem overpriced to me i definitely wouldn't spend that money i think there's a lot of great products you can get for less our next question comes to us from lc in atlanta what is the most effective color to offset the tyndall effect LA Girl and Tarte, among others, have a whole range of colors that can be used underneath concealer as correctors. Wondering which one I should try to offset the Tyndall effect. Thanks. Well, this is an interesting question. Do you know the Tyndall effect? I have heard of it. Well, for people who haven't heard of it, uh, Tyndall effect was named uh, after John Tyndall, a 19th century physicist. 
Um, and it talks about the way that light particles are scattered when they go through a solution, a colloidal solution, which a lot of cosmetic products are. Colloidal solutions are just, they're like liquid products that have particles that are suspended out throughout them. And so when the light comes through that liquid, then it gets scattered, and then you can see the lights. And so the lights, it gives kind of a cool effect. It gives that pearly effect. But on the skin, when you put uh, certain makeups or certain humectants or like hyaluronic acid or something, the light, it makes kind of a, a, a film that light can sort of reflect off the little particles in there, and it gives like a blue hue or something like that. How do you think John Tyndall would feel almost two centuries later, knowing his claim to fame is causing bruise-looking symptoms in people who get hyaluronic acid fillers where the filler has been applied too close to the skin mm. and the light reflects, leaving a bluish tinge? I think he, I think he would just be happy that his name is remembered. You know? <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, it's kind of, isn't that the goal of everybody to be remembered? <laughs> you know, Hemingway once said, you actually die twice. The first time is like when you die, but the second time is when everything that you made is forgotten. Well, John Tyndall, in that sense, is very much alive. He's very much alive. All right, how about this Tyndall effect? What colors are we going to use to offset this, what this mostly is kind of bluish hues in the context of color cosmetics. And when we're talking about color and how to correct color, we're actually going to apply just basic color theory. So when we were younger, we learned in school that there's three primary colors, red, yellow, and blue. And when you combine those colors, you get secondary colors. So blue and yellow combine to get green, Red and yellow combined to make orange, and red and blue combined to make purple. Wait, how do you get indigo? Roy G. Biv, right? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, back, back to the... In a the rainbow. Right. The rainbow makes it. Right, exactly. Okay. Right. So yeah. when you start mixing secondary colors together, you actually, when you are looking at colors on a color wheel, if you combine two secondary colors that live across from each other on the color wheel... For example, yellow and purple, red and green, blue and orange, they actually cancel each other out and make a, a brownish type shade of some sort or sure. gray, depending on, on what colors you're using. So if you had a bluish tint and you wanted to cancel it out, you would use the complementary color to on that color wheel. And in the case of blue, it's orange. In the case of purple, it's yellow. So if I had bluish under my eyes, I would want a more orange-directed concealer applied under it. Yeah, a peachy kind of color. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That sounds better than orange, doesn't it? Uh, sure. A little, it's peachy, not orange. Orange, you're glad I didn't say banana. <laughs> I thought, you know, you were waiting for me to say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad no. <laughs> I was, and you didn't say it, so I had to. I wonder if you put a banana, will that offset the uh, Tyndall effect? No, but it might make your dog lick your eyes. <laughs> wow. So you should try a peachy color if you want to offset the Tyndall effect. Exactly. And if the bluish effect that you're seeing is more warm or more cool, you want to adjust the type of peach that you see, but it definitely would be in the orange type family. All of our skin tones are really unique, right? right. So no matter what skin tone you are, you have to use a more warmer, peachier version. So even for myself, I'm very fair-skinned. So if I wanted to correct the blue under my eyes, I would pick 
a very slightly peachier under eye concealer. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas someone with a dark skin tone would still choose within their dark skin tone. It would just be need to be a peachier version. Sure. Sure. Okay. Makes sense. Are we ready for the next question? We are. Let's head to it. This question comes to us from Amy. She says, I know Perry may have answered this in the past, but I would love Valerie's thoughts as I know her perspective can be different. And that is one of the things I love about the podcast. You're welcome. E.g. our views about uh, vitamin C. Okay. <laughs> How does bioprogramming, hair baron, hair dryers, and curling hours work? What is the technology? It does seem too good to be true, and it's a huge investment if it doesn't live up to the claims. Well, you know, I hate to say it, Perry. However, I don't know how the bioprogramming devices work. It sounds like it works by marketing, bioprogramming. That sounds totally made up. Well, here's the thing. I actually have used these devices before. Oh, really? I have a... A close stylist friend, she works in a salon that introduced her to these devices. And she was skeptical at first as well. And then she was like, Valerie, you have to come in and try these. I don't know how they work. It's a lot of, you know, BS marketing type stuff on the internet. You mean the reproionizer is BS? (laughs) (laughs) The reproionizer. Yeah, 7D plus. (laughs) Come on. Oh, my God. All right. Well, okay. And that's their newest model. So anyway. The essence of Han Shitsubi bioprogramming. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean. Like, what does it even mean? I, I, this sounds like a lot of marketing stuff, but uh, but go on. You've tried the products. I've tried the devices. The, wait, wait. Very... The $720 hair dryer? Okay. I think the one that I tried was a little more expensive than oh, that. Oh, more Maybe expensive. Maybe the flat okay. irons. All right. Yeah, well, the flat iron's only six fifty, so there you go. Yeah, I mean, when you read their marketing stuff, you're like, who are these people? I mean, yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous. Like the bioprogramming equation of beauty, the, the technology behind it is how to increase the p-value, the power to become beautiful, increase the d, the density. Wow. The higher level of bioprogramming, the higher the. D- I mean, it's just like, what are you talking about? I know. Yeah. The way my hair looked after using these devices, it felt smoother, it felt sleeker, it looked shinier, and my blowout lasted a longer time. I, I don't know what it is, Perry, and I didn't want to believe it. I get asked bioprogramming questions all the time. Sure. This brand also has some lighteners, I believe. And it's it's all mumbo jumbo, but the proof is in using it. And I think the hair looks really great after using these devices. And I only wish I could afford one. Slash Mr. Cosmetic Chemist let me buy one without him murdering me. (laughs) Well, I have to say I remain a little skeptical. But I do see on their website you can join their team. So with that glowing review, you you might want to hop on. (laughs) Well, you know what would be cool if we got your wife to and me of course because i would never turn down a bioprogramming blowout if we got one and you could see we'll do half head sure and you could see the difference yourself i remain open-minded you know i might do that i might do that the next time i'm in town all right i'm gonna bring my own crappy crappy tools to the salon my friend will blow, blow out my hair and 
we're going to take a picture. And then I will make her redo my hair. Get the... Because half of it will look terrible. Get the Repronzonizer 7D Plus and see what... Well, if it does work as... I know. None of it makes sense. If it does work as fabulously as you say, uh, they should really work on this marketing because, come on. It's hard to believe, but the results say everything. They, they do. So, Amy, I can't tell you whether or not to to go out and get one. What I would encourage you to do is go to a salon that has the devices, get a blowout. It's 35 to 65 bucks, depending where you live, what salon you go to, and test out the tools for yourself there. Specifically say, I want I want the blow dryer on me. I want the, the flat iron or the curling iron on me. Check it out. And then see if you could swallow the price tag of a $720 curling iron. Right. Or go out and buy like 10 curling irons for cheap <laughs> for less than this. And then just <laughs> throw them away each time you use it once. <laughs> I don't know. Oh. <laughs> like, just, uh, you mean in electronic cycling? Sure. Electronic cycling. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. Looks like we have time for one more question. Comes to us from Aya. Titanium dioxide is considered a possible carcinogen. Why is it still used in lipstick? Some of lipstick may be swallowed while eating and drinking. And what about lake colors? Aren't they harmful in lipstick products? While we eat some of the lipstick, isn't it possible it can accumulate in our bodies? And that's questionable. The lakes. Uh, she's not. She's not talking about lake water. She's, she's talking about there's a in the cosmetic. Even though Lake Erie could be harmful, but you know, <laughs> right. I digress. Uh, any lake can really be harmful, right? It depends on what's in there. Like the Salt Lake, you don't you don't want to take stuff out of there, right? No. Mm-mm. Well, anyway, a lake is refers to a type of colorant. So we have. We have dyes, we have pigments. Uh, lakes are a suspension of a dye on a solid particle that's then suspended in a, a liquid. It's a, just another way to deliver the colors to you. So that's about lake colors, and sometimes titanium dioxide is the solid that you'll bond another yep. uh, dye to, and then it makes a different color. Okay, let's talk titanium dioxide. This is a very good question. If it is indeed carcinogenic, why are we just putting it on our lips? And the answer is titanium dioxide is, it's just a really useful ingredient in cosmetics, including lipsticks, because it's, it can do a lot of things. First, it can make the color pop. It provides a lot of coverage. Exactly. Yep. It also can help protect your lips from sun. UV, it's a UV blocker and is found in some sunscreens, actually. And it's good at covering up imperfections. Now, I know there's been some talk about titanium dioxide being a possible carcinogen, especially when it's in the powdered form and it gets in, inhaled. But here's the thing. First, it is all about the inhalation of it. So if titanium dioxide gets into your lungs, that's where the concern is. There is no concern about titanium dioxide being applied topically. Furthermore, about the inhalation risk, it has also to do with the shape of the titanium dioxide and the size of the particles and whether or not there's other ingredients in the formula to help bind the powders up and prevent them from being so volatile. So you still may find titanium dioxide in powder type formulas, but it might be an appropriate shape right. and have the right dimensions. It might be an appropriate size and it could be bound up by other liquid binders. The, the respiratory concern is unbound titanium dioxide. So 
there is some risk in the powder form, but and the real the real risk though is like the, the people that work in the factories that make these things exactly. That's where that because of the amount that you're exposed to there can be problematic, and so they have to wear special breathing equipment and such. But for a consumer, the amount that you would be exposed to from a foundation or a blush or something like that is not significant. All right, so that's the first thing. The The next thing is that the health organizations really have looked at this, like the FDA and the U.S., and even groups in Europe. They've been very discriminatory, and they've scrutinized over every little safety detail for this. Right, exactly, and both those, U.S. and Europe, say thumbs up to using titanium dioxide in cosmetics. Uh, you know, these organizations, they... They do their homework, they check out the science, and they make sure it is okay for people to use in cosmetic products the way that they're used. You know, they even say that titanium dioxide is fine to use in cosmetics and sunscreen, so it's it's all fine there. So, Valerie, why do we still use titanium dioxide? Well, I mean, it is a fantastic pigment. You mentioned the lakes earlier. Um, it also is a UV protectant, so I would say that's a pretty phenomenal thing to have. A lot of people don't think about protecting their lips from the sun, and I would bet that maybe some cancer incidences are pretty high on the lips. You know, I just came back from skiing in Lake Tahoe, and uh, I wish I would have used more titanium dioxide in my lips because I got this little cold sore now. Thanks, sun. Oh, no. <laughs> But the tiny amount, you're, you're all right, the tiny amount that might get swallowed when you eat or drink lipsticks, it's really by the toxicologists who study this thing, they say, you know what, that's a fine amount. I mean, the bottom line here is the people who regulate and, and make these products have already looked at the safety of these things, and they keep looking at the safety of these things. In fact, the sunscreen monograph in the in the united states was looking at all the sunscreen actives and it said the only ones that are grass generally recognized as safe for sure are titanium dioxide and zinc oxide which means you can ingest portions of them right because the generally recognized as safe claim is a distinction made by the fda that says yes some consumption is acceptable and so therefore I mean, not that you want to be eating buckets of this stuff, <laughs> Don't. but the amount in your lipstick is totally fine. Right. I, I think we once did the math. You could eat like 150 tubes of lipstick before you start getting uh, health issues. <laughs> I mean, it's from the, from the exposure <laughs> of titanium dioxide or, the, or, the, or even the lead or something like that. So, oh, my goodness. At one time, at, not over at a lifetime. At one time. Right, right. Because maybe over the lifetime, maybe you <laughs> have eaten 150 tubes of lipstick, huh? Do you think there are people who like to eat lipstick? I don't think so, but, you know, it's got to go somewhere. You're going to eat some of it, but I don't think anybody's chewing <laughs> Maybe it. there are people who like the taste. <laughs> I think people like the... Well, I hear music. <laughs> yes, I, I do too. Uh, thanks so much, everybody, for listening. If you get a chance, head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That's going to help other people find the show and ensure we have a full docket of beauty questions to answer. And speaking of questions, if you want to hear your voice on the show and you want your question answered, just record it on your smartphone and email it to thebeautybrains at gmail.com. And the Beauty Brains are on Patreon. You might notice we don't have advertisements in our show, which, you know, we, we do, do that not. We do that on purpose because, you know, we can't be completely unbiased if we're advertising something, right? 
And we can't afford Michael Sarah. And we can't afford Michael Sarah. But did you get a recording of McLovin? You were just sitting next to him. I couldn't ask for a picture. <laughs> of, of course not. Well, if you want to help to support the Beauty Brains and you see McLovin, ask him if he could record something for us because we're too shy to do it ourselves. But you can also go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe at any level. As a patron, you get your questions answered on a higher priority and you get a transcript of every show. Also, follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at the Beauty Brains 2018. On Twitter, we're at the Beauty Brains. We have a Facebook page and a TikTok. Do we call it Twixter now? With the X <laughs> Twitter. I refuse to give in to Mr. Elon Musk, who sold me a crappy Model X Tesla. Oh, that's right. But that was a fun ride. It was fun for a while. You got to ride. I did. Yeah, it was a good ride. (laughs) Well, thanks again for listening, everyone. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens.